welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our Reed Smith Tech Law Talks podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss the UK Information Commissioner's Office ICO enforcement actions so far in 2022. This is a very important topic for all organizations to follow, especially for those who are growing and expanding their products and services. My name is Angela Bialoas, and I am an associate in our tech and data team here in London. I am joined by my colleague, Asel, who I will let introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I am Asel, a senior associate in Reed Smith tech and data team, also in London. And I'm excited to be joining Angela in today's podcast. Thanks for that. Okay, so um, let's kick this off. Um, Asel, I know you have been uh, looking into this a lot um, lately, and and we have also published a blog on our Reed Smith Technology Law and Dispatch website on this topic. But what trends are we seeing so far in the enforcement actions coming from the ICO in 2022? So just to clarify, uh, for those who are not familiar with the abbreviation, The ICO stands for the Information Commissioner's Office, and it's a data protection authority that looks after the enforcement and uh, implementation of the UK GDPR and the UK Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations. So in the first quarter of 2022, the ICO has imposed 26 enforcement actions. Most of them were monetary penalties ranging from £2,000 to £200,000 and there were 11 enforcement notices. So just to explain, enforcement notices are uh, actions that the ICO would require an organization to take or refrain from taking. So we will cover uh, or give you examples of specific fines that were imposed, but I uh, wanted to say that most of the fines are around unsolicited marketing activities such as nuisance calls and spam. There were two that related to data subject rights infringements and one related to a failure to apply security measures around personal data. So, Angela, a question to you. How does uh, this compare to the ICO's enforcement actions in the past? Yes, yeah, so uh, I, I actually think it is a fairly close match. So infringements of uh, a direct marketing rules have historically accounted for their a majority of the ICO enforcement actions since the entry into force of the privacy and electronic communications regulations. But uh, I also think it is worth noting that uh, during the COVID pandemic, the ICO's focus in 2020 as well as 2021 uh, has been to really uh, support 
organizations and take a much more a pragmatic approach to enforcement. And so in this way, it is a little bit a difficult for us to compare the numbers. But now that the pandemic, our restrictions are largely over. The ICO is on track and uh, has promised to act with speed when it comes to enforcement. And so in a way, because of this, I have no doubt that the enforcement this year will look a lot different than, than at what it did in the past two years. But once again, the focus historically remains exactly the same, and that is the focus on, on a direct marketing rules, nuisance calls, etc. And I think just, just on the topic of changes, Asel, uh, how do you think that Brexit will affect any of the enforcement efforts? Since Brexit, there have been uh, a few changes that are worth mentioning, and I'm going to cover two changes. So the first one to mention is the change of leadership at the ICO. Elizabeth Denham has been replaced by John Edwards, and he started his role as the information commissioner in January this year. The change in leadership gives uh, the ICO uh, an opportunity to make changes to potentially change priorities and approaches to enforcement action. So, for example, the ICO may finally take advantage uh, of not having to consult with the EU data protection authorities as it was required before Brexit as part of one-stop shop uh, rule. So, for example, in April, the European Data Protection Board issued uh, draft guidelines on the calculation of administrative fines under the EU GDPR, um, and organizations are submitting uh, their views on that. However, once the guidelines are approved, the ICO doesn't actually have to follow those guidelines. It will follow its own regulatory action policy. So the ICO will be uh, a lot more flexible and hopefully will make uh, decisions on enforcement action quicker. So the second big change is also the announcement of the UK government last week on the big reforms of the data protection regime in the UK. And uh, the changes are intended to achieve greater personal data use, enable economic growth by uh, removing barriers, uh, reducing obstacles caused by uh, the requirements of the GDPR. So the UK government is convinced that the proposed changes are capable of maintaining high standards of data protection to maintain the European adequacy decision. So maybe uh, just to give a couple of examples of the changes, although it is going to be a subject of a separate podcast, but one of the examples is cookies. So basically, uh, in the long term, the government would like to move away from opt-in consent and to introduce opt-out consent for cookies. In the short term, the government is thinking to add audience measurement cookies to the list of cookies that do not require opt-in consent. 
The second point to mention as part of the kind of change in the data protection regime is the government's intention to kind of change the data transfer rules. So there is a plan to empower the Secretary of State to introduce new alternative transfer mechanisms that will be based on pragmatic and proportional approach to data transfers. So this is in addition to uh, certification schemes. So we will have to wait and see what those changes are going to look like in detail. So that was kind of the GDPR side of the reform. The reform also covers the rules under the privacy and electronic communication regulations, which are, you know, pertinent to our discussion on enforcement action, as most of the enforcement action is under those kind of rules. So the government is suggesting to introduce a requirement for communication providers to notify the ICO of suspicious levels of traffic on their networks to kind of reduce nuisance calls. And also they plan to empower the government to require telecoms companies to block nuisance calls at source. So quite kind of an expense of powers there. And the last thing to mention uh, about the reforms is the increase of fines. So currently the maximum fines that can be imposed under the PCR is half a million pounds. This will then increase under the new uh, legislation to align with the UK GDPR. So enough on the reform. Angela, I have uh, a question about the most recent fine that was imposed by the ICO at the beginning of quarter two of 2022. There was a huge fine imposed on Clearview. Can you give us a bit more detail on that? Yes, so so that's right. The ICO has kicked off the second quarter of 2022 with, with a huge fine on a clear view. And through that, we have seen that the ICO are very much like the other EU supervisory authorities, like the French CNIL, Italian Garante, and the Spanish AEPD are not afraid to issue big fines. So also, uh, we only have to uh, think back to Marriott and uh, British Airways for that. But uh, a clear view was fined uh, 7.6 million, and they were fined for using images of individuals in the UK and elsewhere that were collected from web and social media websites um, and they were collected in order to uh, create a database uh, which could then be used for uh, a facial recognition purposes. And it has been reported that a clear view apparently amassed as many as 20 billion images from a website such as Facebook, Twitter and a LinkedIn. And so the ICO has found that a clear view breached other data protection laws by failing to use their information in a way that was fair and transparent. For example, the individuals were not made aware of that use. A clear view has also failed to have a lawful reason to, to collect this type of information 
from those individuals. They did not have any process in place to stop the data being retained indefinitely. And they also failed to meet at the highest standard for uh, a biometric data. And, you know, initially the, the ICO has, has proposed to find a clear view just over 70 million. And they also required a clear view to stop collecting the data of people and then also delete any data that has already been collected. And typically at the final GDPR related fines issued by the ICO have been reduced from the amount are proposed in the notice of intent. So, so example, at the final fine imposed on a British Airways was 20 million, a compared to a proposed fine of 183 million. And the final fine imposed on Marriott was 18 million, a compared to a proposed fine of 99 million. But you know, whichever way you look at it, I think that even with the reduced fines, you know, like on Clearview, Marriott or BA, I think these fines are still effective in actually making everyone sit up and listen to uh, a data protection law and data protection enforcement. And in this way, you know, we are seeing all of these increasing fines in Clearview, which, which I've just given an example of, is just a, one of those fines. And I guess just uh, wrapping things up, I wonder whether organizations can take any lessons away from, from example, Clearview, away from other recent changes in leadership. I wonder whether you have any thoughts on that, Sal? Thank you, Angela. I think with the upcoming changes, it will be important for organizations to keep an eye on what will uh, ultimately be approved as new legislation in the UK on data protection. These changes are not expected uh, immediately, well, in any case, not this year, but I think it's important to keep tabs on that. But other than that, I think what organizations can take away from the enforcement action in Q1 is that it is important to make sure there is a lawful basis for processing data and uh, informing uh, individuals on how their personal data is processed. There is uh, still a huge focus on compliance with direct marketing rules and with the increase of fines, there will be expected kind of further focus on this from organizations. It's important for organizations to ensure there are ways for individuals to exercise their rights and uh, yeah, generally to stay on top of their compliance with data protection and privacy rules. So I think with this, we would like to thank you for listening. And if you have questions, to feel free to reach out to us. Thank you. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. 
This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.